Hey everybody, I'm John Gould. And I'm Nagin Muscati, and this is This Real Estate Life, the official podcast of the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park office. We have so many amazing real estate agents in our office, each with their own unique gifts and personalities, and we really just wanted to create a podcast where you can celebrate those individuals and learn a little bit about real estate along the way. Yeah, so whether you're a real estate agent yourself or just curious to learn more about what we do every day, this is the podcast for you. So thanks for joining us and we hope you love the journey. Woohoo! Welcome to This Real Estate Life, the Baird and Warner Lincoln Park podcast where we highlight and showcase the different gifts and talents our agents bring to the table. Today's guest is Hunter Andre. Woo! Oh, hold, stop. You guys don't have to cheer for me now. It's okay. Let me hear it. Let me shut the door. There's some people walking in for an autograph. I'll slow down here. <laughs> but Hunter, you asked us to cheer for you before we started recording. Yeah, this is weird. I'm very confused. <laughs> you no, know, don't spoil it like that. I sent you guys notes. <laughs> Holy smoke. You're, you're, now everybody knows that this has all been planned out. I love it. This, we're already off to a great start and we're just, just kicking it off. Hunter, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. You're new-ish to the office. You've been with us only for a few months. You have quite the history that we're going to get into, um, but you've joined us in a great capacity as the director of agent development and really excited for all of us to have the chance to learn from you and grow with you here at Baird & Warner. Um, you've been in real estate for what, about 13-ish years or so? Yeah, it started in 2009. So uh, it's 13, 14 years now. I always go back to my LinkedIn to figure out how long I've been in real estate. Because if you go, go back to your LinkedIn, it tells you, you know, the years, you know. So I'm like, I go to LinkedIn, like, how long have I been doing real estate again? Is that sad? No. No, it's easier true. than mental math. <laughs> that's true. Yes. I think. So, that's true. so 13, 14 years of history and you are... A solo agent, you've been on a high power team as well. So you've got some great experience. You work with buyers, you work with sellers, you work with investors, you work with developers. You have quite an experience with a new construction that's very, very helpful. Um, you've recently been a managing broker at one of our competitor, um, competitive offices. And now you are here as director of agent development. Your numerous testimonials all speak to your knowledge and your kindness. And what we love the most about you, which is just your absolute friendliness and ability to come here and instantly become a part of our culture. So we're really happy to have you. Very excited to learn from you today. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Nagin and John. Thank you so much. I'm a pleasure um, to be here. Fabulous. Well, we always love to kick this off learning a little bit about how our guests even got into real estate and what their journey has been. So we're just going to turn it over to you so you can tell us a story. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, um, I started in 2009. And um, if you weren't in the industry in 2009, that was actually the bottom of the market. Yeah, you know, it was not pretty. And when I told everybody that I knew and my family members that I was leaving a 10 year career in film and television, and I was going to dive headfirst into real estate, they were like, Hunter, are you out of your mind? No, you don't wanna do that. This is a very poor decision. Please stay, stay in the industry that you're doing very well in and uh, stay on course. Um, I did not take their advice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I dove in headfirst. And I haven't looked back since. It's, it was probably one of the best moves in my life. 
And um, one of the things that I remember the most when I came into the industry, as I was like coming into the industry, my hair was being blown back. I had more hair at that time. I know you can't see me, but just imagine. <laughs> I know this is a podcast, it's a visual, but just imagine my hair being blown back. And that was all the agents fleeing the industry yeah, and falling out because they had just like no chance of survival at that time. And uh, I figured the only way that I was going to survive in real estate at during that time period was to like literally put blinders on and just stay so focused and not listen to all the noise that was around me. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's how I made it. I just put my head down, put my blinders on and wouldn't listen to the noise. And again, I'm still standing. So that's how I started off in real estate. What, what made you decide at that time to get involved in real estate? Was that your yeah. question, John? Yeah, it was. Look at us, though. Like um, of all the times you could have chosen, like, why not yeah. 2006, 2007? Yeah. Why 2009? Yeah, exactly. Or like when I was graduating from college in, in 98 from DePaul, I was interested in real estate then. That would have been an opportune time, yeah? Getting Absolutely. into real estate in you know, 1998. That would have been the time. Um, I chose not to do that. And what, what propelled me into real estate was, is I've always had an interest in real estate. I'm like, um, I, it's hard for me to describe you guys, but when I drive down the street, and this happens to me all the time, I'm like scanning the horizon. I'm scanning the buildings. I'm scanning the real estate for looking for like, opportunities, what businesses are opening, what businesses are closing. I just really pay attention to call it um, the uh, metropolitan uh, topography, if you will. Yeah? yeah. So I always had interest. And in 2009, I was coming not to an end of a 10-year career, but I was in a 10-year career in film and television. And I just wasn't that geeked about it anymore. Sure. And I was like, I just needed to do something different. And I went and got my real estate license. And uh, at the time, the office that I was working in, it was in the John Hancock. And uh, on, inside the John Hancock, there was a Gold Coast office for a Coldwell banker. And uh, I jumped into an elevator one day and I bumped into someone who I took a class with. And they're like, yeah, I'm going up to the Coldwell banker office in the John Hancock. I'm like, what, are you kidding me? There's a Coldwell banker office in here? And then, so I went down to make a long story short, I, I interviewed and what I didn't don't tell my boss at the time, <laughs> he's probably not listening anyway, it, it doesn't <laughs> care. Right. But here's what I would do. I would go to my nine to five job, like on the, like the 30th floor, I would jump in the elevator go down like 10 floors and go into the Coldwell banker office and do both. No way. Yes. And I did that for about a year and a half before I could bridge myself out of doing what I was doing, but it was in such close proximity and so easy. So, um, yeah, don't, don't tell my boss that. So your nine to five didn't even know. You know what? I was in a satellite office, John, and my boss was on the West coast. Gotcha. So gotcha. it was an office of just a small group of people. You know, it was, it was easy for me to come and go. So <laughs> it, um, that's how that happened. <laughs> That's so well, we do we do get a lot of listeners from the West Coast to this podcast. Yeah, uh, chances are your boss is not one of them. You know what? That's my Hollywood connection. 
I love it. Oh my gosh. We need to remember to come back to that too, John, and talk about some of Hollywood Hunter as well before we wrap this up today. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. Okay. So you, so then you started in Coldwell Banker. What, how did you decide to transition full-time in that market? Uh, The, well, the office was downtown in the Gold Coast, Scooterville area. And I was down there all the time for work. And I was like, well, why not start selling real estate here? You know, this is, this is where my office is at. And that's where I started. If I'm answering your question, that's where I started getting involved with real estate at the time and um, still sell real estate downtown to this day. Love it. You've been, I mean, that's fantastic. Okay. So you're a Colville banker agent and then what let's trace your career from then to here really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Really quickly. Uh, do you want like the 30 second version or like a five minute version? Um, you know, just be thorough, however long it takes. <laughs> well, I will say this, my, um, the journey was and is, um, start off in the Gold Coast office and spent 10 years uh, in the Gold Coast office with Coldwell Banker. Okay. Started off, the, the office started off the Jan Hancock and bounced down to Walton. And then Coldwell Banker bought out Keller Williams. And then we moved to the corner of Michigan and Huron. All right. And somewhere along the way, I started getting pulled into leadership. um, And I started doing, uh, started, you know, morphed into a leadership role and and a sales role. And then eventually I moved into a, a, a general manager, a managing broker, so to speak, for a Coldwell Banker office and uh, had was doing that for the past two years before I joined Baird and Warner uh, in the Edgebrook office. So um, I, uh, what's interesting yeah. is, is Lisa Kahn is the managing broker of the Edgebrook office for Baird and Warner. And I managed the Coldwell Banker office literally two blocks away. So it was a, it's a very small sandbox we play in. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and now so you're it, here. Yeah, I, I I love being here. I love being here. I um, I um, excited about you know uh, being part of this you know the, the the Lincoln Park office. I think there's such an amazing culture here. I've mm-hmm. only been here for a couple of months, right? But the time that I have been in this office and participating and interacting with the leadership team and the agents, um. I'm so happy about the move because quite honestly, I, I didn't never thought I was going to leave Coldwell Banker. And um, this move was an amazing move for me. And I can't speak highly enough of everybody at Baird and Warner. So um, you guys can't see this because this is the podcast, but I'm bowing and thanking, thanking you right now. Just so he's you know. Right, he's right on the floor. It's, it's a lot, actually. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do downward dog right now. I can answer these questions in poses, John and Nagin. Yeah, I know. I know. I know downward dog, tree pose, and corpse pose. Because corpse is like when you're in your back. That's the good one, right? Yeah. Laying there. There's like, mm, there's a there's, baby pose. Sun salutation. Sun salutation. What's, what's that? Warrior. Yes, yes, the warrior. I can try that. We should, we should do a podcast where we're just doing yoga the whole time. <laughs> Maybe we can do it now. This is the genesis of your yoga podcast. <laughs> <That would laughs> right be- now, 
Write this down, John. This is if this becomes a billion dollar industry, I want part of it. Negin wants part two. Oh yeah, you're in on the ground floor. Don't even, dude. We're on the ground floor right here, right now, literally. literally. Yeah, demonstrating yoga poses would be great content for a podcast. <laughs> I didn't know there was a pose where you're just laying on the floor. I feel like corpse yeah. pose is my pose and I should give yoga another chance because that I can do. Yeah. Nigging, you've got it. If you can do the corpse pose, you're, 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 hello. I feel like I do it a lot. I just didn't know that I was exercising. So maybe I exercise more than I realized. So good for me. Congratulations. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back, Nigging. <laughs> um, Hunter, getting getting back to this, I feel like we could go off on a tangent for the next forty minutes easily without a, without a problem. Sure. Uh, but what you you mentioned that you know at some point in your career at Cobalt Banker, you got pulled into leadership and then eventually became a managing broker. You know what was it about being in a leadership position? Because as much as you got pulled into it, you know you had to also willingly go right. So there was something inside of you that wanted to be able to be there to help the agents develop. Like what was it about? you know, being a managing broker and, and leading agents that was really appealing to you and, and something that you still want to incorporate in your business today? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great question, Nikki. I would say this. This was my attitude right now about real estate and the way I approach it is I, I have a kind of a pay it forward attitude and it's not kind of, it is. It's, it's a through line, I, I feel like, in everything that I do and whoever I act and interact with is I like to pay it forward if I can. Because when I started in 2009, I already said that the wind was blowing my hair back, right? Everybody was leaving. And whoever was, was, was left right there was like holding on with a white knuckle grip. And they weren't really mentoring agents as they came in to the industry. You know, their focus was really just to stay, at, stay above water. And through that process, I made a ton of mistakes because there just wasn't enough people around me at the time who were really offering me the attention or I wasn't asking for it. I don't know which came first. But I said to myself as I progressed through real estate that if I get a chance to help somebody, I'm going to go out of my way to help someone to make sure they don't make the mistakes that I made when I first started. So that's one of the things I love about being in a leadership role and capacity is just trying to help people out because at the end of the day, this is a very small sandbox that we all play in. Right. And if we can all support each other, I'm also subscribed to the theory of high tide rises all boats. If you help everybody out, we all play nice together in the sandbox. We're all going to do well. So that's really one of the, my through lines when it comes through uh, with leadership, uh, something I really try to work on and focus on every day. I love that. And I love that saying to a high tide rises all boats. I think that's so true. And it's true of this industry for sure. I think my question is, so, so my question, I'm going to try to articulate because I'm not sure what it is yet. Um, I've only been in this office. I've only been in the real estate world in Baird and Warner Lincoln Park. So I don't know what other offices are like. I know sure. that this office has always felt like a community where we all help each other and we all support each other. And I love that. Do you think that that's true of most? Do you think that that's true of the business as a whole, that most places are like that? Or do you think Lincoln Park is unique? Does that make yeah. sense? That's yeah, yeah, no, that's a question. 
Yeah, and that's a great question, John. I would say this. You, Lincoln Park, Barrett & Warner specifically, mm-hmm. is definitely um, a unique office in that it is an office that has a lot of real estate agents in it, right? It's not a small office. And, and physically, it's not a small office. Um, but there is a, such a, a strong vibe in this office that makes it feel like a boutique, small family run office. Does that make sense? And that's really hard to pull off. I can tell you that. I've been in a lot of offices. I've been in a lot of meetings. And um, this type of environment is not ubiquitous in the market. And Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of time to create a culture like this. Uh, You know, the podcast that you guys do right now, you and Nagin do, um, and I'm blessed to be a, a part of it today. This podcast is really unheard of in the industry. I don't know many, I don't know of any other brokerages right now off the top of my head that is doing a podcast um, like this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that that's part of the culture component here. You two are taking the time to create such a great um how would it, what would I describe? A podcast. <laughs> there we go. I don't even need to find another word for it. There's a podcast one. that helps support the culture and grow uh, the culture. So to answer your question, this what you have here is very special. And it's, like I said, it's not ubiquitous throughout the market. Well, good. I want to be special. <laughs> you are special, John. <laughs> just, like, just like the yoga poses. Amen. Thank you for giving me my daily validation. I can leave now. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. I'm waiting for you, Nagin, because I know you have a question. No, I, Hunter, so I always find myself interrupting John. So I'm, I'm trying to take a moment and pause. Yeah. So I'm working on, I'm working on it, John. You're doing great. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Um, I think okay. you're doing great, Nagin, because I got my degree in communications from DePaul. And I had a class on communications, yeah? And they have like the sender receiver model, right? And all the noise around it. And I think you're doing really well in, in, in that model of sending and receiving and listening and participating. So um, I just, I, you know, I've noticed that at least on this podcast. I can't speak for past podcasts, Nikki. I don't know. I don't know how you are. This one. I just get so excited. I appreciate that. Thank you for my daily validation. So I feel like John and I have both just been validated. Yeah. So, so now we can move forward with more questions and get to know you better. All right, fine. <laughs> Fire them off. Okay, so my next question kind of, so so I guess I'm looking at this from, from um, the point of view that this business can be a very lonely business, but in my experience, it's been a very communal business. And, and I know you said this ubiquitous to this office. So I guess my question is, since you began in the real estate industry, how has it grown and evolved? Has it gotten easier? Has it gotten harder in both like how, how isolating it can be and just like technology wise, all of it, how has it grown and changed? Oh my God. Does that makes sense. How much time do we have? <laughs> you have five minutes. Five minutes. Oh. You know what? I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes on that one. That 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 is a question that I could expound on. I feel like probably for a very long time. I would say this on a high level. 
you know, like when I came in to the industry in 2009, and I, when I say that, I feel like I'm like dating myself. Like when I came in back in the day, graduated high school. I mean, is it, you, you can't see me people, but I do have some gray hair here. Um, but it, when I came in 2009, like, like floor time was like something, right? Floor time was yeah. like, you'd come in the office, you'd sign up for floor time and, and phone calls would come in and agents would generate hopefully business from floor time. Um, in my opinion, floor time has kind of evaporated, you know, mm -hmm. as technology has grown, as we all have gotten smarter, we all have our smartphones. I'm, I'm holding a smartphone. You can't see it because I know it's a podcast. Everything that, you know, a potential buyer or even seller would need is on this the smartphone now. It's in the palm of your hand. And from what I think has changed is this industry has become very splintered throughout the years. And we, the agents, are not the harbingers of all information anymore. You know, the general public doesn't have to come to a real estate agent to find out about property or to look for property. They can go on their smartphone and get it quicker than we can sometimes. Yeah. So yeah. that is, you know, there are things that like the floor time was important, you know, when I, when I first started and, but as time has evolved and our, our industry has evolved, it's our positions within that. I think, you know, John and Nagin have changed. I think now as, as real estate brokers, we have to become really strong with helping our potential clients with the process. You know, we've got to understand the process inside and out and help them understand value inside and out. Because I don't think you can garner from the smartphone process, right? Start to finish right. of the home and buying selling process. Right. And or really, can you understand value and bring, you know, to, um, to your clients kind of a, a street level understanding of what's going on in their neighborhood? That's not something you can, I don't think you can extract out of a, a smartphone or a third-party website. So our, our skill sets, I believe, have been forced to evolve throughout the years. And um, that's what I would say about at least that question so far. Do you think it's become harder or easier to be a real estate agent or just different? Hmm. I have always found real estate to be difficult. I cannot tell a lie. I don't think this is an easy industry. Yeah. Um, it is a very difficult industry, without a doubt. And if anybody's listening and they're thinking about getting into real estate and they think this is going to be um, easy or they want an easy career, uh, do not get a real estate license <laughs> or managing broker's license and come into real estate. It's just not. It's not the reality. No. You know, um, so it's hard. I just think it's changed in and evolved, you know, and am I answering your question, John? I feel like I'm going off on a tangent here, maybe not answering your question. No, no, absolutely. So it's, it's always been hard. It's just a different kind of hard now. Yeah, I think it's a different kind of hard. I think agents and, and, and managing brokers and anybody who's involved in real estate, we all have to kind of pivot and be ready to pivot yeah. at any time with whatever's news coming out and, you know, Last year we did we dealt with a, a, the COVID crisis in a pandemic. So, you know, luckily our industry is so adapt at pivoting and, and moving quickly and making shifts. 
we all did really well. So as long as we can all continue to be uh, on top of it and, 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 and mobile and nimble, we'll be fine. I think the people who get stuck and aren't mobile and nimble or don't want to try to evolve with the industry um, usually fall behind and eventually fall out of the industry. Yeah, I, I think that goes for a lot of industries though, right? Because you're always, you should always be learning and furthering, you know, the development of your skills and your craft to make sure yeah. you're staying relevant. I think, you know, something that you brought up that really interesting, Hunter, I know we kind of talked about this yesterday as it pertains to Zillow's iBuyer program or program yeah. no more as, as it is. Yeah. But you know, like how people rely so much, by people, I mean consumers, rely so much on their smartphones to and they think that they can get everything that they need there but i think what we've just seen with you know what a lot of agents got distracted by was oh no zillow is now buying homes with their iBuyer program like it's more competition and it came and it went just as fast because like you told me yesterday this is a business about people it's about relationships and it's always going to be about as you said being able to add that value, whether it's about the process or how to negotiate a deal or understanding the market. And you can't just get that from a piece of technology or right. a website. Like you need people, you need experts like yourself to be able to help walk you through that. And I think if anything, that was just kind of reinforced. Uh, and I don't want to get you all heated again. I know uh, you're reading that article yesterday about <laughs> Zillow uh, and you have some opinions, but I think you're absolutely right about all of that. Yeah, well, I think you just nailed it too, Nagin. I think um, it's this. This is definitely a, a relationship-driven business. It will continue to be a relationship business, um, no matter how powerful the algorithm is. Um, I don't think they can write an algorithm to replace human connection. Absolutely. And um, so, Not I yet. think we're all safe. I don't think our industry is going anywhere anytime soon, nor are. Uh, the need for uh, um, real estate brokers. Yeah, but I think that's also what makes it hard because there are probably brokers who just rely on the technology and think that that's what all that they have to do. And maybe they've seen a TV show or something else that might speak to that. But it is, it is work, it is effort, it is consistency. It's holding yourself to a higher standard of being a professional and having integrity to develop those relationships over time. And yeah. it's fun work and it's rewarding, but it is hard work, like you said. Yeah, and you know, to springboard from that, Nagina, I think one of the things that I, I have recently learned about myself, and um, this is what, this is why I, I, I like using myself as an example because I've made so many mistakes. I don't even <laughs> I don't even mind throwing myself under the bus anymore. It's just ridiculous. I'm fine with it. I've come to grips with it. And some people, <laughs> you know, can be like, Hunter, come on. But I just realized that, you know, I was I spent most of my career as a very transactional agent, mm -hmm. very transactional. Not that I didn't have my client's best interest in mind. I certainly had my client's best interest in mind. Of course I did. I wouldn't have made it this far. But where I was dropping the ball, and this is where I'm jumping from what you just said, Nagin, and I think this is important for agents to understand. Um, so please listen. Uh, you need to stay in front of your clients after you close a deal with them. And you need to stay in front of them in a meaningful way at minimum once a quarter, if not once a month. Yeah. Because to John's point and what we've been discussing here, this industry has become very fragmented. There's a lot of shiny objects out there right now. 
And you may think that you put a deal together with that client and they're your client for life, but you can't count on that, okay? They might have written you the best review on Zillow that you use on your website to tout how great you are. But then you find out a few years later, they didn't use you to sell their home. It's, it's difficult to find that out. And that just actually just yeah. recently happened to me. And I know why it happened is I did not take the time to foster those relationships post-closing and stay in front of my clients in a meaningful way. And I cannot express how important that is that you do that. And um, lesson learned. <laughs> lesson learned. Chalk that on the big board, people. It makes sense. Like even like it's all about relationships, right? So like, yeah, if me and my friends hang out every weekend and then one of them just stops texting me for a while, I'm not going to keep reaching out to them. I'm going to move on to new friends. Sure. Exactly. And that's, that's applicable for business because it's not our job. I mean, it's not my, it's not our past clients jobs or our current clients job to, to keep that, that relationship rolling. Right. It's, it, it behooves us, the real estate brokers, to maintain that and to foster that and nurture that. And I didn't understand that. And I understand it now. And um, I am truly focused on that day in and day out. I'm making up for lost time. So uh, wish me luck. You got this, buddy. You do. Wish me luck. I need, I need a fist bump. Bam. Yeah, we all just also- Hunter, I think we also just learned something about our friendships with John. We need to text him at least once a week or he's going to forget about us as friends. John, I don't have your cell number. Can you just send it to me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you, fam. We can text that, that's why you're not talking to me anymore. She's on the outs. She's barely skating by right now. <laughs> okay. I do what I can. Hunter, I think that's so, I think that's interesting. First of all, I think it's super important to be self-aware. So like the fact that you can embrace those opportunities where you maybe could have done something different, like staying in better touch with clients is fantastic. And you are not alone. I am definitely in that, that boat. And before I figured out the best way for me to grow a business that was authentic to me, I was much more transactional and have since made that change. And my business has changed Mm -hmm. also along with it. Yeah. Um, but I just, I think it's great that you share those things. So, th- so thank you for sharing that. I don't know if you've ever done the exercise where you look at all the potential business you could have had, had you stuck to your business plan or stayed in touch and you see how much income you lost. But if anyone's listening and you feel like you want to cry, do that. It's very motivating though, at the same time. Nagin, you can't see me, but I'm biting my hand right now. I don't want to go through that exercise. Oh, that right really now painful. Because it would be painful and I would probably be a sobbing mess right after it. So no, I but that's a good idea though, Nagy. Maybe I should one of these days. Well, let's all do it at the same time. We can have a good cry together. But yeah. if nothing else, like I think it's important that agents are taking the chance to look at their business and see those opportunities where they could have done something different or better so that they can make those improvements. Like you just said, yeah. you recognize this was something you could do and you've made that change and it's really working for you now. Yeah. All jokes aside, Nagin, that is actually probably an awesome idea. You know, there's nothing wrong with reflecting on your past business and, and looking at, at, at those lost opportunities for sure. So John, can we need to do that? Hey, need to sign I'm up. Doing my business. We I haven't do had enough time to make mistakes yet. So I'm golden. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. 
There's John, John doesn't worry. Says, Funny mistakes coming your way, man. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. One hundred percent. A pro tip: It's easier to go through that exercise with at least one bottle of wine. Just saying. So set, no, set yourself up for success when you go through that exercise too. Can I do it with a gin and tonic instead? Whatever. You a like, bottle sir. of gin and tonic. Fine. Done. Twist my. Don't arm. forget the lines. Don't forget the lines. Um. Hunter, so we're talking a little bit about creating a successful business plan and staying authentic to yourself. What are some tips you have for agents when they're trying to create a business plan that works for them? Wow. I know that's like a surprise question and it's pretty broad. So just give me whatever you can think of. You know what? No, I, I, I here's what I would say. I think that, you know, if, if you're new to the industry, you should really be open to all possibilities when it comes to uh, revenue streams, right? And I think new agents also have to remember that their clients are going to dictate their business, right? Yeah. Their clients are going to take them on their real estate journey. And the agent who is working with them is that's where they're going to do their business. So if your client is buying $300,000 condominiums in the Gold Coast, that's where your business is going to at least start, right? Yeah. So as you start your business and go along that journey with your clients, yeah, you need to keep your eyes and ears open to other possibilities. And as you go through that process, and if you keep your eyes and ears open and ask a lot of questions, you will uncover other revenue streams that you probably never would have thought about. Hmm. So for example, let's say you help a client buy a, a condominium downtown in a building. Let's say 110 East Delaware, random building off the top of my head, right? Yeah. You help the, someone buy in that. Pro tip number one, after you help them uh, place them in that, in that building, you should for sure send a postcard to that building and tell everybody in the building that you just helped someone purchase. Right. You just opened up another revenue stream for yourself and that's called farming. Yeah. Farming. Yeah. You're now farming that building because you do unofficially have some expertise in that building, even yeah. though it might've been your first deal, but you've gone through the process. You've been in the building a few times. You've seen the rules and the regulations and you know a lot about the building because you went through the attorney review process. Yeah. So you do have something to speak on. So yeah. for you to farm that building, you could potentially start working in that building. So just that example alone could help you find, and I could springboard off of that because sure. just go follow me for a second here. Um, you start farming that building, right? Because you just had someone buying it. You yep. start getting a foothold in that building. Maybe you start renting units for people in there. Maybe you still start listing and buying them. And you're like, you know what? I really like 110 East Delaware, but the building next door, right, um, has higher price points and nicer units. Boy, I'd really like to work over there. How am I going to go over there and work? What you do is you start sending postcards to that building, touting what you have done in the neighbor building. Okay. Yeah. And through sheer osmosis, and it works because I did it, you will start doing business in that other building. Because 
you know, if you get a postcard in the mail and you're in, let's say, 57 East Delaware, which is about two buildings down for 110 East Delaware, and you say, oh, my God, Sean, he just sold 10 units in that building, honey. That's crazy. And that we walk by that building all the time. You know what? We should call him. Yeah. That's how it happens. So to your original question, keep your eyes and ears open and think about opportunities because really the opportunities are limitless as far as I'm concerned. Was that too long? No, that was perfect. And okay. I think <laughs> fantastic advice for newer agents too, who feel like maybe they don't have, you know, the history, they don't feel as experienced. They don't know what they can talk on, but you're right. Like if you sell a unit in a building, there's no reason you can't farm that. Like, I think that gives a lot of power to agents to, to be a lot more forward with their business than, than they think they maybe can be, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of new agents, unfortunately, and I remember this cause I was a, a brand new agent at time. Um, we get, what? we get, a, yeah. Can you believe it? One time I was brand new. <laughs> One new, um, uh, that new agents get uh, tunnel vision. Yeah. Okay. They do. They just, they just do. They get tunnel vision and they get locked into whatever deal they're doing and they forget about everything else that they should be doing. All sure, the things sure. that maybe I tell them they should do or Nagin tells them to do or our David. Um, and once the transaction is over, that is the extent of the deal, you know, yeah. and now they've turned their attention to something else. And I would suggest in, in, in what you just said, and I'm kind of reiterating it, Dig a little deeper, and yeah. I think you'll find that there's other ways to turn that one deal into uh, many deals. That's great advice. So moral of the story, don't get tunnel vision. No, I love that. It's like um, investing almost, right? Like you could close the yeah. deal, put the money in the bank, and it's safe in your savings account, or you could invest with that deal to continue to grow. And who, what, who knows what other kinds of business you're going to get. I, Hunter, here's my question for you, though, because this is something that, you know, with brand new to the business agents that maybe haven't quite built up the marketing budget, they might be nervous about, you know, doing mailings or things like that. But I do believe and I would like to hear your thoughts that this does require some level of investment to kick off a business, right? Like this isn't just a job, like you're launching a business, you're an entrepreneur. So what are your thoughts on that and how to be you know, strategic in how you invest and just the overall concept of investing money into your business and yourself when you're brand new. Yeah, great question, Nagin. Uh, you definitely need to invest in yourself and you need to invest in yourself in many ways. And yes, you are going to have to spend some money um, to get where you want to go in real estate. And I'm not suggesting you have to go out and spend a lot of money on, let's say buying a zip code for Zillow leads. For example, we'll keep working off the example I just gave. You know, you can make a small commitment uh, of, you know, I, I don't know the pricing off of my top of my head, but let's say a couple of hundred dollars, several hundreds of dollars to send a postcard to this building. And I, I look at it as it just making like deposits. Okay. You need to keep making deposits in yourself and into your business to help it grow. Mm -hmm. And you have to be willing to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, or let's say you don't have the money right now, Nagin, to make those deposits. Sure. I think there's lots of other creative ways that are free right now to make those deposits. 
And right now, the best way a real estate broker can make those deposits is through social media. That is the best platform for a real estate agent who has no money to interact with their sphere of influence and let everybody know what they are doing. Okay. Um, Right now, I follow John on social media. He does a great job of putting himself in real estate. He does. He does a great job putting himself in real estate. And over time, John is just setting the stage, making those deposits, making those deposits. And and what's going to happen is, is one of these days, everybody in his his milieu is going to be like, John, he's our real estate broker. He's... That may, he's our real estate broker because he's made the deposits. So make the deposits through social media. It's free. That's one of the best approaches. And I think there's a lot of other ways, Nagin, that a new agent can get themselves out without uh, get themselves out there without spending money. And and social media is the first place I would think that they would get to like let's call it the biggest bang for their buck. That's great advice. That's. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. And John is our resident social media expert. So he has definitely launched his career with a great platform already. It is fun. It's fun to watch your videos, John. No, I just think that's a good point though. Like if you, if, if you're just posting consistently about how you're a real estate agent, like everyone who knows you will know that about you. And, you know, especially when you're a new agent and you feel like you have no reason for people to trust you, if you're like doing showings for people, inspections for people, whatever, and you're posting about it, it just gives you like, it makes you look like a valid agent, you know? Yeah. Easy there's a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Cause what it does, John, it just gives you street cred. Right. You know? It just gives you street cred. And I would also say, you know, for new agents or agents who are not new, but really want to start steering their direction of their career. Let's say right now you're working in a, um, uh, an average sale price of like, let's say like 500,000, right? But you really want to bust into the luxury market. The best way for you to get into the luxury market are selling at a higher price point. And, and you, but you don't have a, a, a stack of buyers behind you who are getting ready to spend a million bucks or you know a whole bunch of million dollar listings. What you need to do is start putting yourself into that environment and letting everybody know that you are in that environment. So if you are on a broker's tour, you should pretty much make sure that your social media posts lets everybody know that you're in Lincoln Park and that you're in a $4 million home, right? And as you continue to make those deposits, subconsciously, everybody that's paying attention to you is like, oh man, John, he's killing it. Guy's selling multi-million dollar properties left and right. Honey, we should call him. Do you see how that works? It works yeah. on the subconscious yeah. level. I'm telling you it works because that's how I started selling real estate above a million dollars. Because I didn't come out of the womb selling hundred, you know, seven-figure deals. No sure. one does. You have to work your way into that and you have to be strategic about it. And that's one way you can do it. So um, uh, pro tip number two. Great pro tip. <laughs> Love it. That, and you also, Hunter, on your social media, you do a lot with video as well and just posting really good content. I think that's something that, like you talked about it as a strategy for new agents, but even if you're not brand new to the business, just to continue to stay in front of people, that's really a place where you need to be. 
Yeah, repetition. It's 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 marketing really 101. We we yeah. all um we all see the reoccurring brands that are constantly flashing in front of us through social media, on the television, and the radio. And after a while, we start to identify with those brands. Okay. And that's what you're doing. I, I like to tell new agents that you need to work on your brand, your brand. And there's two ways you need to work on your brand. You need to work on your brand internally, right? What I mean by that is when you walk into the office, you're bringing your brand in the office, right? So you bring your brand in the office. And if you put your best foot forward, other agents are going to gravitate towards you. They're going to want to help you, right? Just by, just by how you are and how you carry yourself, right? Yeah. But if you come into the office and you don't bring your A game in like John, you don't bring your best John brand, it's going to be very difficult for you to find people that want to help you. You know what I'm saying? So that's really important. You've got to work on your brand internally. And then you also have to work on your brand outside of the office. And that would be the sphere, the general public. Does that make sense? Everybody Absolutely. out there nodding their heads? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so important that you're constantly thinking about your brand. Yeah. No, that's legit. And I yeah, I, I think that a lot of new agents don't really think about having to be a brand manager when, when they start this business. But that's like yeah. a huge, actually, when you start, that's like all you have is managing your brand. You know? uh, yeah. Great point. That's true. That's really all you have. That's it. I might, I might have to borrow that, John, by the way. You said I it. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The last real question we have, I think, before the challenge questions, because we're running out of time, but so we talked a lot about new agents. What, and this is a wild card question as well. Let's talk one last question for experienced agents. If you feel like your business is in a rut or you want to see substantial change next year, but you don't know how to get there, what piece of advice would you give an experienced agent who wants to push their business to the next level? Mm. Ooh, that's, yeah, a great question. that's a great question. That's a great question. I would say a couple of things. I think you should look for uh, coaching. Um, I think you should look for coaching inside Baird and Warner, but I also think you should look for coaching outside of Baird and Warner. Okay. There are a lot of really high quality coaches out there. I'm not even going to name them because you can go on and Google real estate coaches and you'll have a full page, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to give a commercial for them right now. But I will say this, I have done outside coaching with the Ferry Group. I just went through the Ninja um, uh, program with Baird and Warner. And every time I deal with a coach that is outside, I always walk away with something that I'm like, I have an aha moment. I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah. Or wow, I should tweak my, you know, my business this way. And that's what I would say. And then, you know, that's going to cost some money. It's, these aren't free. The coaches aren't free, but I think there's, there's good stuff there for you. Um, number two, if there is um, what's called a real estate market that you really want to work in, you need to figure out how to get yourself into that market. Yeah. So if you're a, if you're an agent who is dominant, let's say in a, a price point, 
in certain neighborhoods and that's your bread and butter and you do very well and it makes you happy, but you really wanna say springboard to another neighborhood at a different price point, you need to figure out how to get there. And I think, like I said early in the conversation, you just need to start placing yourself in that environment, that price point, that price range, that neighborhood, that building, those buildings, and that business will flow to you. But you have to be strategic about it and you have to put yourself in that. So those are two that I think, um, two ways that you could tweak your business or at least try to make some adjustments to it. That's fantastic advice. Thank yeah, you. Totally. Well, and that first point just speaks to what you said earlier about investing in, in yourself. It's helpful to get outside perspectives and challenge you to think in a way that you didn't think before. And that's wonderful. Yeah. I think we can all get stuck in ruts, especially if you're, you're doing well in real estate. You figured, oh, I've, I've got this figured out. I, my income's great. I, I'm, I'm a steady Eddie. And that goes back into the mindset of being siloed that I mentioned before as new agents. Yeah. That can happen to uh, agents who are very well established. They can become very siloed as well. They've got their systems and everything in place. That's their world and it works. Yeah. But once they want to branch out of that, they have to do a huge paradigm shift. And sometimes they're not capable of it. They literally need to have someone come in and pull them out of their silo and go, oh, this is the road you need to take. Right. Yeah. You know, so that can happen internally through coaching or outside, like I said. That's awesome. Thank you, Hunter. Yeah. Great. Are you ready for for the challenge questions? Yeah. There's two and a half questions. The first one's not real, but Taylor Swift or Adele? Taylor Swift all day. Really? You know, Adele's too whiny for me right now. I don't know what. It's like every time she comes on, I feel like it's a whiny song. And then the DJs come on and try to talk about what was the genesis of why she's crying in this song. I'm like, I don't, I don't need that. You know, Taylor Swift is awesome. She's like chewing gum. She's pop music. It brings me up. I'm not like, what was... You know, Zell, um, I've already forgot her name. So Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay, good answer. Oh, I can't oh I'm going to have a lot of haters now. Huh. Yeah, no, you're definitely opinionated about it. I, I love them both equally. So I respect that. You can't go wrong with me. I think you hurt Nagin's feelings. I love Taylor. <laughs> I'm more of a Taylor Swift. Same thing. Like, I have to be in the mood for a but I, lo- I like Taylor Swift. Don't more. get me wrong. Adele has an amazing voice. Yeah. And I would lie to you if I hadn't turned her song up to like Mach 12 in my car at one point in my life. I have. Just know that. Yeah, I just love sad. I love sad music. I listen to sad music all day, every day, which I don't really know why. But John, you and I could not go on a road trip together then. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next we would have to drive separate cars, man. We'd have a good time when we got there, but I could not drive. That's it. fine. Yeah, I'll just sing to Adele the whole way. Just belt it out. <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to be in the car with me anyway. <laughs> next question. Um, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, my God. That's an easy one. An astronaut. You got pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still on this planet. It is still spinning really quick there you go throw me off yet though into space 
Why do you think an astronaut was your choice? Hmm. You know what? For a while there, I was going back and forth between an astronaut and being a marine biologist. Isn't that random? You know what's weird is that I weird? Think a lot of kids randomly want to be marine biologists. Like I feel like more more people want to do that than you'd think. Yeah, it was. You know what? Science was one of my strong suits in school. Yeah. So I was like, Nah, I'm gonna be a marine biologist. Sure. Nah, I, I like this. You but some dolphins. Yeah, I just, but here I am just, yeah. I don't know, I, I am, those were my two. Those are my two. And those are where I got off track, I don't know, John. You're either going to space or going into the ocean. And here you are. Hello, <laughs> still on dry ground. <laughs> There's still time. Wait. John, before you go into your last question, can we go back to Hollywood Hunter here for a minute? So that's what you wanted to do as a kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then you got into TV and film. Can you tell us just a few minutes, like how that happened and like, and what that journey was like in TV and film and which did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I, um, I got involved in TV film uh, while I was at DePaul. I was getting my degree in communications and, and one of the prerequisites to graduate, I don't know if it's still the case, is you had to do an internship. Actually, I had to do two. And at the time, I started doing an internship uh, with a small cable company out in the suburbs. And that just led into me having a job before I even graduated, which was awesome. And so I immediately fell into um, a, a job right out of college and I was uh, producing a, a local a live talk show and it was hair raising. It was the craziest <laughs> thing I had ever been involved in. Live television is scary stuff. I bet. I can't even begin to tell you how scary it is and stressful it is to produce live television. So whenever I watch live television, I'm like, oh my God, it's like a white knuckle ride. It's nuts because I remember I was in charge of producing an hour of television and I would have some of my guests calling me, yeah, we're stuck um, in the traffic from the airport. We're not going to make it. And then you're like, Josh, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, John. Like, I'm like, well, then how am I supposed to fill up 15 minutes of airtime if you're not here? It's nuts. So I quickly got out of that. Yeah, that's <laughs> I quickly got out of that. And then I started uh, writing and producing um, corporate videos, short films. Um, I've, I've worked with like, I've done stuff with Brett Farb, uh, Brian Erlacher. Um, I interfaced with a bunch of celebs, a bunch of sports figures, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, so that part of it was cool. I'd meet some really cool people, but you know, typically when you're meeting these cool people and you're getting ready to put a camera in front of them and tell them to start, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing, you don't get a really chance to meet them. It's always like a business type of thing. Sure. And uh, that part of it was cool, but uh, it wasn't cool enough to keep me around. And the allure of real estate dimmed the Hollywood lights. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go into real estate. <laughs> Dang right. <laughs> My drop. <laughs> so, were, you ever on the, were you ever on the other side of the camera, like performing? You know what? Yes. I cannot tell a lie. I came to Chicago on an acting scholarship to go to DePaul University. And um, so 
I did, I did come to, to go there for acting and I did go to school for DePaul for acting for a while, but I realized in my second year at the acting conservatory, I did air quotes for those people that can't see me, the conservatory. They can hear my voice, they can yeah. hear my voice. I'm yeah. kind of mocking it, yeah. yeah. Um, it just wasn't, it just wasn't me anymore. I, I just wasn't into it. And um, that's when I pivoted and decided to change and get my degree in communications. And it was actually the best decision of my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, okay. But I had a lot of fun leading up to it. Good for yeah. you. That's great. Thank you for sharing. Sorry for the, yeah. the tangent. I just didn't want to forget to go back to that. Wait, before you guys cut me off, I you guys sent some questions. I, I went through and answered all these questions. You guys didn't answer me one question. That's not true. Yes. Wait a minute. You guys, I want everybody out there to hear this. <laughs> That's me throwing those questions in the garbage. Did, did I spend hours on, John? No, you hours didn't. On no, these questions. Well, I we asked you at least one question yeah. on that list. It was the first question. I'm still crumpling. Okay, we have that? one more question for you. The last challenge question before we go. Yes. What piece of advice, if, if you from 10 years ago was sitting across from you, what piece of advice would you give them? Oh, that's a good one too. Wow. I would say this. I would say a couple of things. Um, don't let the noise both inside your brain and outside in the outside world slow you down from your dreams. If you want to be involved in real estate and you want to be involved in real estate, you need to get singularly focused on that and don't let anybody else around you tell you you can't do it. Mm -hmm. That also leads into just my underlying philosophy in life that you create your own reality. So if you want to be a real estate broker, be a real estate broker. Um, yeah. Along with that, I would say, be a student of real estate. And when I mean be a student, you need to study real estate every single day. You need to understand the market, the products, types, and the data. So you have to take that seriously. And also understand that, you know, Chicago is a very big city and there's lots of real estate to be sold, but this is also a very small sandbox mm -hmm. and that you need to play, sm play smart and friendly in this sandbox because you're gonna find out that there's a handful of real estate brokers who are actually doing the business. That's the 20%. And then there's about 80% out there trying to get involved. And every once in a while they dip their toe into the market and you're like, oh my God, why is this person involved? Because they're just messing things up. Then they get pushed back out. So that's what I would say. Don't let the noise stop you. Be a student of real estate and understand this is a small sandbox and be positive and play nice, and you're gonna make it. Perfect. Okay. 10 out of 10 interview, you nailed it. Sweet. <laughs> Can I do a yoga pose now? Yeah, please do. Yes. Victory pose. There you go. I don't even know what that one was, but I, I was it's like a stretch. Like your pose a little bit. <laughs> It's like the idea of a you. You know, I, before I let you go, I know, I know you're like, I see the sign from the producer doing this neck thing, this neck thing. I'll stop. Yeah, but I just want you guys to know, I, this is crazy. 
this is a podcast, but I took the time. If you look over my shoulder here, the, the viewing audience, the, the listening audience, I was doing product placement the entire time over my right shoulder for Baird and Warner. So but that didn't that. translate well in a podcast environment. I think it's fair to say you were overprepared for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, these, these are just notes. How do I sneak in Baird and Warner's logo in a podcast? How do you do that, John and Nagin? How do you do it? I don't know. You know how you do it, Hunter? If you're listening to the podcast, you can go to said podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and you'll see all the Baron Warner information right there. Wait a minute. Did I just tee that up for you? Did you, you mean you may have. Thank you, Hunter. Did, did I just tee that up for Nagin or what? I think Nagin should say that again so the people who are listening understand how do you get the Baron Warner logo involved in a podcast? Absolutely. Well, they're going to go to this episode. They're going to find your information. They're going to find your phone number, your email, and your Instagram handle at Hunter Andre Chicago so they can look you up. Love then it. they're going to scroll down. They're going to read about Baird and Warner Lincoln Park. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we appreciate it. Hunter appreciates it. This has been a very fun episode. So thank you so, so much, Hunter. Uh, we're really happy to have you at the office and uh, super pumped to have you join us on the podcast as well and share a little bit about yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you guys so much. I'm so grateful that you had me today. Please know that. And it was so much fun hanging out with you. And if you guys are ever bored and want to do another podcast, just, just call me. Done. <laughs> I mean, you have all those questions we didn't even ask you. I know. These you questions. Second podcast <laughs> Questions. You can't see it in a podcast, but it's a white ball of paper that I'm squeezing. Don't throw it away. You'll need it for next time. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna take unravel it right now, John. Yeah. Frame it. You know, this is a this is a random thought, but one thought that I had during this episode, Hunter, because um you have a really nice voice, like it's very easy to listen to, and you're very yeah. animated. Um, I would like to hear you tell a story like Twas the Night Before Christmas or something on the episode for like our holiday episode. Is that weird? A holiday episode where you just tell holiday stories? You know yeah, what? Yeah, like Hunter would be a good storyteller. Yeah, I really do. You know what? I don't know, Nagin. That's a pretty tall order. I, you're going to have to talk to my agent. All right, okay. fair enough. Just put us in touch. I'll get him on the phone. <laughs> Just so you know, we have a zero budget for this podcast. So don't expect too much, but we'll do what we can. She brings that this, up a lot. I think she's hoping David will put some money behind it, but he hasn't yet. You know what? I, I think this, this podcast would go somewhere. And I really like the idea that you brought up, John, the yoga podcast. That's got yeah. some legs, man. That's got yep. legs. Yep. First ever saying. yoga podcast. <laughs> it's got legs, literally and figuratively. <laughs> I love well, on, on that note hunter thanks so much john thank you have a wonderful day you guys thank, thank you. you bye bye